Our scripture today comes from 1 Thessalonians. We're in the fifth chapter, and I'll begin with the first verse. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in the darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness, so then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. The word of the Lord. Back in the old days, when people used to meet for worship in person, the congregation would hear the sermon at the same time that the preacher gave the sermon. Crazy, huh? These days, we film Montview at home, usually on Wednesdays, and you hear it at the earliest four days later, which, given the pace of change this week, might as well be four years later. So, we've pushed things back just a little bit, and I'm recording this on Friday at 2 p.m., which still feels a little risky, given how much the world could change in the next few days or the next few hours, which is all to ask for a little grace, I guess. And it's also a reminder that a sermon should be able to stand the test of time. It should, of course, address issues of the day, but it should also say something that is true and that will still be true, even once the issues have changed. So that's what I hope to do today. And I want to start at the end, the end of the world, I mean. Thinking about the end times is something ministers are particularly prone to do. Too much time with those scary biblical texts, I suppose. And over the last few months, I've noticed a considerable uptick among our staff in apocalyptic jokes. I mean, they're telling them like there's no tomorrow. One could hardly blame us, though, for noting the signs. Plague? Check. Blood-red skies? Check. Economic turmoil? Social unrest? Check and check. Most of the time, the jokes are just a form of stress relief for us. But going into this week's election, with reports of empty shelves at gun shops and boarded up businesses in anticipation of violence, I will admit asking myself, we are still joking, right? In past years, I would wake on election day with a feeling of excitement. I might be crying by election night, but the day itself always felt full of promise and the buzz of democracy in action. This year though, I have to say, I woke with a pit in my stomach, worried not just about the outcome, but that regardless of the outcome, our country might devolve into disorder and violence. I remember how I used to look smugly at other countries whose elections seemed fraught with voter intimidation, political graft, accusations of election fraud and people who refused to accept the results. And I would think how lucky I was to live here in the US where such things could never happen. How suddenly we are all asking so many questions we never thought 
possible? Could this actually be the end, if not of the world, of the Republic, of our democracy, of a shared sense of civic duty and a commitment to the common good? In our scripture today, Paul is writing to a community that is not only talking about the end of the world, they're looking forward to it. They're excited about it. They're preparing for it. You know the term prepper? I wasn't really familiar with it, but it turns out that our executive director, Jason Hayes, is a bit of a prepper. Not the AK-47 type. More of the, if the world falls apart, he's got canned food and duct tape type. Which I have to say makes me very happy because it seems like exactly the kind of personality trait you want in an executive director. So Paul and company are first century preppers. They've got their bug out bags and their evacuation plan, and they don't worry at all when Paul says, as he does in our scripture, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Under Roman occupation, life was hard and fearful. So we should not be too surprised that they longed for someone to rid them of their oppressors and usher in a new world order. And hoping for a Messiah, of course, is, is, isn't just something that happened in biblical days. It's a very human impulse to want someone or something to deliver us from the difficulties and the problems that we face. We do something similar, really, every election cycle on both sides of the aisle when it becomes almost impossible not to hope and pray that our candidate will be the one who swoops in on golden cloud, expels the evil ones, and brings righteousness to the land, or at least simplifies the tax code. But of course, our political leaders always turn out in the end to be human. Some of them, very human. And we find ourselves still in the mud and the muck of real life. Even Jesus turned out to be a disappointment for those who wanted a different kind of Messiah. And the fact that Jesus did not return to save the day need not be a sign that something went wrong, but rather perhaps a sign that this is not how God works. We long for the problems of the world as we see them to be fixed and fixed yesterday. We want our saviors to come quickly and decisively. But God's ways are not our ways. And it seems to me that the work of God is almost always steady and quiet and slow, ridiculously slow. God is far too patient for our taste. And even when bad things happen, when dreams get lost and progress gets thwarted and hope gets abandoned, the slow, steady work of God just begins again. And that is good news, that while God is ridiculously slow, God is also ridiculously stubborn. And no matter how many times things get torn down, ripped up, and set back, the love and goodness that we call God is never quite extinguished and is never quite discouraged enough to give up. 
I frankly don't know how God does it. I would have cut my losses with us a long time ago. Is this the end? So far, at least as the Republic goes, things seem to be holding. And this stress test of our electoral process seems to be showing signs that it is stronger than some feared. But we know that there is a fragility to anything that we hold dear. It is so much easier to tear something down than to build it up. A relationship, a church, a work of art, a democracy. The things we love can take years to grow and they can be taken from us like, well, a thief in the night. But as Christians, our deepest commitment is to the slow, steady work of God. And that is not fragile. Empires will rise and fall, but grace and hope will remain. God does not sweep in and fix everything. God does not send messiahs to save the day. And we might wish Jesus came in shining white light to solve all of our problems. But the truth is that Jesus is already with us. He is, as the Gospel of John says, a light in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And the work of God has always been, and always will be, far more slow than we would like, but also far more stubborn than we imagine. That's what I want to remind you of on this Friday at 2 p.m. Because it will still be true at 3 p.m. And if the world falls apart by Sunday, it will still be true. And regardless of who becomes the next president or what challenges our country faces or what happens in our personal lives, it will still be true and still be true and still be true. Amen.